Hi everyone, welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Christina Flesher from Minaya, co-founder of the Open Access Social Movements Journal Interface and editor-in-chief of Social Movement Studies. Christina is also a keynote speaker at the Why the World is Anthropologist conference Mobilizing the Planet, happening between 10 and 12th of September 2021. We are happy to have Christina with us speaking to her background and current work. Christina shares her views and relationship to activism, and as a scholar, the importance of balancing sympathy with a critical, analytical and self-reflexive research lens. What can an ethnographic perspective bring different than other research methods? What is the difference of applying ethnographic research to activist spaces versus others? What is the value of a conference space, and why should you invest in physical attendance? Lastly, as a keynote of the Why the World is Anthropologist conference, she shares how she will be contributing to the theme, as well as her advice and thoughts to those considering to attend. Listen to the episode to hear more about it. We hope you enjoy it. Hi friends, we are here today with Christina Flesher from Inaya, Editor-in-Chief of Social uh, Movement Studies. And also, I think the keynote speaker, right, at the Why the World is Anthropology conference happening in a few days' time in Prague. Hi, Christina. Hello. (laughs) Great to have you with us. And for those of us listening, Christina so so graciously accepted to jump in on our podcast quite last minute. So it could be that we don't manage to release it in time for the conference, in which case you will be listening to her perspective uh, post-conference. But anyway, here we are. And Christina, before going into kind of like the conference topic, I'd like you to share with me and our listeners a little bit about your path. How how did you come to do what you do right now and what, what moved you um, on this? Oh, that's a great question. I hope the answer is not too long. Um, <laughs> I grew up moving all around the world and I grew up in a household with uh, parents who were from very different cultural backgrounds. Um, and multilingual. So I grew up with a fascination for culture uh, and subcultures uh, became something that I was particularly drawn to in my teenage years. Um, So I, yeah, I just was always really interested in trying to immerse myself in in new surroundings and try and figure out what made that, um, how people made sense of what they were living and their experiences. And so eventually that translated into my approach to studying social movements, uh, which I did as an activist and a participant, but also as a scholar. So um, I've always kind of bridged that um, supposed divide between activism and and academics. Uh, The longer I go in my career, the harder it is to get the time and space to do that. But I was really, really fortunate to have um, a senior Marie Curie fellowship a few years ago, and I was able to take 
several years to do um, the research for my most recent ethnography-based book, which is Democracy Reloaded, which is a book, it's called Democracy Reloaded Inside Spain's Political Laboratory from 15M to Podemos. So it was trying to um, tell the story and make sense of that really phenomenal movement, uh, 15M, which, as you probably know, influenced other movements all around the world and was also influenced by movements all around the world. Um, yeah, so that was a six years project that uh, the book came out last year in 2020. So that's a very short, shortened version of um, how I ended up. And and maybe just a, a very short question, kind of like looking back from where you started, right, with this kind of fascination for culture. Like, do you do you find that your path kind of moved in a different direction from where you started, or it it, it just went what it went just deeper into your interest area, or it kind of diverged? Like, how no, how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously you learn more as you any kind of craft or any kind of thing you do. Yeah gain experience over time and your perspective changes with 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 age and with experience um but no i don't think so i i try every time i go back into the field i always um challenge myself to try to see things in a new way and to really ask myself whether i'm just relying on my previously established categories of thought mm-hmm. um to structure my analysis or whether i'm actually being open to new uh, possibilities and new ideas. So I'm very reflexive about that. But I think in the end, um, well, I should say also that I've gone back to the same kind of field setting several times, um, which is Madrid's autonomous social Mm -hmm. movement network, which is what I know the best. I've done research on other things, of course, but that is kind of the one that I have over 20 years of experience in. So that longitudinal perspective has also really helped me um, to be able to document and understand what has changed and what hasn't changed over time. And that's influenced my theory a lot because it's made me understand how incredibly resistant culture is actually to change and how um, especially habitus and sort of very deeply ingrained Mm -hmm. and explicitly understood culture is extremely resistant to to change, Um, although it is changing and it does change. So, you know, there is change. But, um, yeah, that's been one of the most interesting uh, things for me and one that has influenced my work theoretically as well. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious because I've interviewed a few of the the speakers at this year's uh, conference, and each of them has a defined relationship to activism. Um, I, I wonder what what how what do, how would you see your relationship from from the work that you do or or the way you engage with the topic that you work with and and activism. Um, I would say that I mean. Primarily in terms of what I spend my time on, I am an academic, but I'm also an activist and have been an activist. And I would say that my relationship is motivated very much by a um, a deep sympathy and admiration, but at the same time, a critical and analytical perspective. And that can be an uncomfortable fit sometimes, but... I think that that's my relationship. Um, and I think that that's what it, what shapes my work and gives it value because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a real common problem 
well, I don't want to judge anybody, but I think it is a really common problem is that you get um, sort of very enthusiastic, you know, ethnographers who jump into the field and they they can sometimes end up really blinding themselves to the problems and the challenges and the and the tensions and the contradictions and end up sort of feeling a, because they're politically committed to the to the cause mm-hmm. um, can end up writing sort of celebratory. And, you know, it's kind of my own view is that that doesn't actually help in the end to to uh, to further the movement's goals, because being self-reflexive and critical is key to any kind of improvement in in our understanding and our practice. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely. Yeah, I'm extremely sympathetic and I, I don't study movements that I'm not sympathetic with. I've only done one um mm-hmm major piece of research that was um, qualitatively based in which I share the views or not the views, but the perspective of, of, there was a very, I studied both sides, let's put it this way, yeah. in one in one case. But in the other cases, it's mostly been um, environments where I'm broadly speaking committed to the same values and goals of the movement broadly speaking, even if I may have, obviously, we all have many, many differences about the specifics, but in general, yeah, sympathetic yeah. words, yeah. Yeah, I understand. So so then, you know, maybe that that leads very well into my next question. What What is your motivation for, for joining the conference, for mobilizing the planet? Well, um, I was invited. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm a, I'm a, I try to speak uh, to everybody who wants me to speak to them. So I try to be as available and open, uh, to people as I possibly can. Um, that does actually end up taking up an incredible amount of time, (laughs) but it's also something that I really, I really value, um, and appreciate that people want to hear what I have to say and are, you know, interested in my work and interested in, 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 in my keynotes. And so I feel, you know, really privileged and honored to be invited and this invitation came and I was just delighted. Um, I'm always happy to hang out with anthropologists as well. <laughs> as I told you before, I'm an ethnographer, but I'm not technically an anthropologist. I think I'm an honorary anthropologist, <laughs> if you can call me that. But um, yeah, so I I, I love um, ethnography and I think it's incredibly valuable. And uh, yeah, I feel a deep... Uh, sympathy but also uh i feel very closely aligned to anthropology yeah so yeah yeah and and what can you share with with me and our listeners about your perspective on mobilizing mobilization as a as a as a concept like or wow. or how concept <laughs> yeah because i think you know you're the keynote speaker so the theme is mobilizing the planet and i think you know you have such a unique uh, perspective on activism mobilization and i'm really curious like how well, how are you reflecting on it well the way that i've reflected on it um in preparing this keynote mm-hmm. has been to think about what it is that ethnography in particular gives us mm-hmm. that other approaches can't give us. Um, so what I'll do is I will draw on specific um, insights from my research that could only have come about as a result of an ethnographically engaged method. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and show how that not only um, makes contributions to theory and and the academy, but also can provide um, perspective and, and tools for activists as well as inform and engage the public. So that's the approach that, that I'll be taking. Um, and I was asked specifically to reflect on sort of what does, you know, what does anthropology give us? You know, what does ethnography give us? So um, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and and what do you see is, is the difference versus, you know, doing that in that particular context of activism, mobilization and doing it in a, in a, in a, and let's say a more, a more normal ethnographic research environment. Like, is there any kind of differences that you see between the two or? I don't know what a normal ethnographic environment is. Yeah, let's say you're doing research in a, for a company or you're doing research for, for government or for an institution at the request of a, of a body, right? Uh, that I've asked you to kind of, so f- for me, like this, this, the space of activism and mobilization comes also to, with a kind of a, a very explicit ideology, a very specific insight into not just how the world is, but how the world should be. Right. Um, and I, I and I find that to a certain extent, if you compare that maybe to spaces of more explorative inquiry, um, yeah, that 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 for me looks from that perspective they seem a bit different. But but maybe you see it yeah, differently. Think, no, I think there's 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 a couple differences. Um, one is that nobody invites you in to do ethnography with them. So you have to gain access to that Mm -hmm. field and you have to gain trust and people have to trust you or you can't, you know, do ethnography well. Um, and I've just been incredibly, you know, blessed to be allowed into the most, you know, backroom discussions and, and, and just really develop deep relationships with the people that I, that I have researched over the years. And that's been amazing for me. Um, the other thing is that, you know, uh, social movement activism is often, uh, something that, um, is submerged and is surveilled and is, uh, can involve, um, civil disobedience and can involve actions that can be against the law or retrospectively, um, you know, we know with the criminalization of protests that even if you did something that was legal at the time, there are some states who retroactively apply, um, criminal, uh, consequences to actions that have taken place in the past. So there is also an element of um, risk for the subjects of the research Mm -hmm. that you don't, I mean, there's always an element. I mean, if you, you were in an organization, there's also an element of risk there. If you reveal something that is going to, you know, can potentially Mm -hmm. harm a worker who might've made a comment about somebody else. And if you don't, you know, if you're not very careful managing that, that information, you can also pose a risk, but I think it's, um, it's a different, maybe a different level of risk and it's a broader (laughs) level of risk. The other thing is that uh, unless you're going into a very specific group, uh, and if you're going into a social movement network as a whole, it's very complex and um, not contained or neat and tidy uh, field. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably quite different from somebody who is going into sort of study, you know, how did this particular organization apply this particular yeah. policy or whatever. 
So I think, yeah, there's quite a, there's quite a few differences. And also it's a very um, contested field within. Mm. So it's not only contestation between movements and their opponents, there's a lot of conflict and contestation within movements mm. a lot. Um, and so that's also quite different. And that poses its own challenge for the researcher as well. Um, also in terms of positioning yourself vis-a-vis -vis those conflicts. Yeah, that's yeah. Tricky. And, and how do you, um, you know, I, I always think whenever I hear a keynote speaker that you're kind of like the, the, the opener of the space and you're kind of like an invitation to a kind of a conversation that will then ensue in, in those kind of spaces that you're actually literally opening with your uh, with your talk. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what, what type of, of space would you uh, would you imagine that will ensue after your keynote speech? Like what type of space would you would you would you, would you wish for the conference to, to be? Um, I guess that what I always hope to impart is critical reflexivity. Yeah. So sort of an, an invitation to maybe rethink some of our categories and rethink uh, some of the things that we take for granted and hopefully offer um, listeners a bit of a different perspective on uh, something that they may not know anything about or they may know something about. Um, but maybe hopefully change, change their perspective a bit. Um, but I mean, I think the way that the, that the conference is organized anyway is already a brilliant, um, you know, can see that there's so much effort that's gone in by the organizers to really make it a participatory and interactive space. Um, and to give a lot of value to people, um, who will be attending. So I think that, um, I hope yeah, that I hope that it will just be flow nicely into into all of those activities. Yeah, nice. And, and you no, know, looking at this from the perspective of participants, and and you know, we're just making it a bit broader than this this particular conference. What do you think is the value of a conference space right now? Right, we are now in this kind of post-COVID world. Um, why should we come to conferences? Like, what what do you see is the value for somebody to to invest the time in this? Oh, I think it's incredibly important. I think um, conferences are also are incredibly important, um, not necessarily just for what you do in the formally organized uh, spaces of the conference, but what do you do between those spaces? Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, um, I think for many academics, uh, you end up in a particular department or you end up in a particular university and you may actually not have anybody around you who is doing anything uh, that you do or may not have much interest or knowledge of what you're doing. So when you go to a conference, you have a whole bunch of like minded or at least like interested people who are interested in the same thing. Um, but it, that doesn't only apply to academics. That applies to obviously even more so probably to practitioners um, and even to activists. And uh, so it's a wonderful place to network. It's a wonderful place to meet people. A lot of times conferences the, the relationships that you make there and the experiences that you have there can actually open up uh, spaces of trust as well in exchange where you can really talk about things that may you may not ever have other people in your environment that you can talk about those things too and who can really understand them. Um, I also love the intergenerational aspect usually of conferences. I remember uh, being in, um, I think it was Bochum, 
in Germany uh, several years ago, and I was having breakfast with a table full of women, and we were from probably 23 to about 77 years old. And we were speaking about our experiences as women in the academy and all of the you know, difficulties and sexism and discrimination and bullying and harassment. And, you know, it was so fascinating to have those experiences going from a 23-year-old starting the career to a 77-year-old who was telling us about her experiences all in the same table. And it stuck in my mind so much, but it was also such a powerful moment to be able to share with other women. Yeah, the magic of a of a shared physical space, right? In the in yeah. a trusting shared mm. space of a breakfast, and knowing that what we talked about wasn't going to go any farther, and that it was something that we just shared for that for that magical sort of breakfast. Nice. You know, maybe then we all go up back to our different places around the globe, but it's something that you share, and yeah. I think that um, those kind of things really can't they're they're priceless. Christina, any other thoughts, parting thoughts to our listeners um, around the conference or anything else that you would like to share for those listening before we close off? Just, just I think it's a fantastic um, initiative. I love the idea of the conference and I love the way that it's been organized. Um, I really hope that people who attend will not only network, but gain new ideas and new practices through practical and participatory workshops. I hope that they have a lot of fun because fun should always be a big part of your life's agenda, socialization. Um, And I just, I think it's, some people have said with the whole Corona thing, like, oh, you know, it's so much better because it's so much more accessible and, you know, everybody, I just, sorry, I don't buy it. I think if we want our conferences to be more accessible, then we need to find ways to fund people who don't have money to attend. We need to try to figure out ways to do solidarity um, fees so that, you know, people who have funds can pay for people who don't have funds who want to attend. I mean, maybe we'll never, academics were notoriously underfunded in, in many countries. So, uh, it may be that we'll never have the money to do that to the extent that we would like. But I think, especially for people who are starting out in their careers, whatever that career might be, it's tremendously important to build that network. And it's tremendously important to do that face to face. You don't, you know, anybody can get online and give a talk. Um, that's not what conferences are, are about. It's not about the talk. It's about everything else. Thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to 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 watching your keynote in a few days time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Corina. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.